no spring chicken. That's the first thing my neighbor said to me when I told her I was pregnant. Can you believe that? Maybe she just didn't believe me, but I don't, I don't hold it against her. She'd been a tad bit cranky ever since she found that scorpion in her girdle drawer. <laughs> Maybe she just didn't realize what a miracle this was for me. I mean, Zachariah and I had been trying to have a child of our own our whole lives. By the time most of my hair had turned gray and Zacharias had turned loose, we had given up hope. But nothing is impossible for God. <laughs> he seems to delight in making life out of barren places. And as if that wasn't enough, the angel who brought us this unbelievable news had even more to say. This child, our son, would be used by God to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. This was all too much of a gift to be real. And then I thought, well, how am I gonna train this child for a job like that? But God had those details covered too. And it keeps getting better. When I was about six months along, my cousin Mary came for a visit. And no sooner had she said hello than this unborn son jumped and flipped inside of me. Right then, God just opened my eyes so that I could clearly see that this young girl standing in my home was also with child. And he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Nine months later, we got the news from Bethlehem. And I looked over at Zachariah holding our very own miracle baby. I had one of those God moments. <laughs> you know, when you just realize, you say, God just had different plans. He had brought us life in barren places. He hadn't forgotten about us, and he would never leave us alone again. Amen. Elizabeth, would you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1? All right, Luke chapter 1 and verse 25. You know, as I, as I go back to the video that we were just watching, the, the woman that was playing Elizabeth there said this, God is making life out of barren places. God is making life out of barren places. Would you say that with me? God is making life out of barren places. Yeah. Now turn to somebody and tell them, God is making life out of barren places. Very good. It's good for us to remember that. Because God, I'm watching the news, and sometimes I wonder if 
you've left us to our own devices. Amen. And at the time that Elizabeth had the appearance of the angel, or Zachariah did, really her husband, and then she came home, and, or he came home and told her, the nation of Israel was living in a very, very dark time. The people had heard no prophetic word from God for 400 years, not since Malachi had promised the coming of someone with the spirit of Elijah the prophet. The spiritual leaders were steeped in tradition and in some cases corruption. And their king, Herod the Great, was a tyrant. He, he was a crazy man. Brilliant in building. When you go to Israel, you'll find all kinds of buildings that Herod the Great built and realize just what an incredible architect he was, but he was crazy. I believe he killed his own son because he didn't want him to get the throne after him. I mean, just, just a crazy man. And the nation Israel had become a barren place that was in need of life, and God was about to bring life to the nation of Israel, but also to the world, which I know gives me hope. <laughs> Now, the Christmas story, with its many angelic appearances, actually begins six months before the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. We, we like to start there, but it happened six months before that. Begins with an angel visit to Mary's uncle, Zachariah, and news that Mary's aunt Elizabeth would have a baby boy. So look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. It's also on your insert on the screen too. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So, so Uncle Zechariah and Aunt Elizabeth are both from the fam a family of priests. Verse 6 tells us that God sees them as righteous or are, as people who are right with God. They're, they're good people. They're, they're viewed by their culture as the epitome of what it means to live lives of Jewish devotion and faithfulness to God. That's the kind of people that they are. Now, I say that because the Scripture tells us that they had no children. And it's because... Uh, and, and, and the cause of that is that Elizabeth is not able to conceive, or what they call barren is what they call that. And in biblical days, to be childless brought sorrow, of course, and often shame. People would think, I wonder what sin must have been committed for God to punish them like that. That's, that's what they thought. That's wrong thinking. But that's what the people would think. But Elizabeth, she's about to join the ranks of her ancestors who also had stories of, of infertility that was turned around by the word of the Lord. Both Sarah, Abraham's wife, and Hannah, the mother of Samuel, the prophet, were infertile and miraculously gave birth in their old age. The covenant promise 
by God to Abraham and Sarah parallels the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And here's what's important for us to think about. God remembers. God remembers. Okay? God remembers them and God remembers you. He does. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten the, the difficult times you might be going through. A fight with sickness, maybe, or a family loss. Maybe it's something financial. God, God knows. God remembers. God hasn't forgotten. God gave his oath to these couples. Not only was God gracious to them, but also through them, God was gracious to all people. With the birth of John, everyone would soon be able to celebrate the arrival of the Savior that they had so been waiting for. But God says, Elizabeth is right with me. She's righteous, is what, it, what the word that's used there. She, she's done nothing wrong, and, and this is a good lesson for all of us. We sometimes form an opinion of people based on what we see on the outside. Am I right? Yeah. I know you don't want to admit it. That's okay. But we do. The person sitting next to you probably does that. Not, not you, I'm sure. But a lot of people base it on what they see on the outside. In that case, we would have said that Elizabeth was a sinful woman. But we don't know what's going on in people's lives, and, and we don't know where God might be at work. Look at what it says in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. I've got it up on the screen. It says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord does what? Yeah, he looks at the heart. God makes life out of barren places. When we think of the word barren, we often think of a desert. And there's a story in the Old Testament where Moses is leading his people. They're, they're grumbling for a drink of water. Give us water. They've, they've left Egypt, and they're complaining and complaining. They're forming a maybe-we-should-turn-around-and-go-back committee. Okay. And they're complaining about it. We're hungry. We're thirsty. Why are we wandering like this? And Moses says to God, can you give them a drink? They're thirsty. And God doesn't just give them a drink. He gives them a river. Do you remember the story? Imagine Niagara Falls shooting out of a rock. The scriptures tell us that God gave the complainers water abundantly, actually. Here's the Hebrew word, one that you can take home with you this morning. Rabim, Rabim, it means abundantly. That's the word that's used there for that rock that brought forth water, all right, abundantly. It's what happened when the water came pouring out of that rock in the wilderness. It came out abundantly. But in the book of John, Jesus uses that same word of the gushing rock that abundantly pours out water to illustrate why he came into the world, a world that is greatly in need of the presence of God. Jesus said this, 
I have come that you might have life and have it not just abundantly. What does it say there? More abundantly. So imagine that gushing rock, but Jesus came that we might have even, even more gushing, okay? He wants us to have life in in, in, in abundance, and, and he wants us to be whole. He wants us to be overflowing with God's presence, overflowing with God's peace, overflowing with God's love, overflowing with God's joy, filled to overflowing with his salvation. That's what Jesus wants. That's why he came, that we might have that. You see, God doesn't just make life in barren places. He makes it abundantly. This is the life that God wants for us. Elizabeth says two things in this video. He, she says, people didn't see the miracle. And then she says, this is just too much of a gift to be real. You know, sometimes, you know, something wonderful happens to us, and we start looking around for the other shoe to drop. You know what I mean? Something good happens. Okay, I mean, something bad is going to happen you know, when is everything going to fall apart? We're looking for that other shoe to drop. But what does Elizabeth say? She says that God has the details covered. It's easy to look around at our lives and, and think somehow that, that God has forgotten us. But here's, here's the second thing that we learn. God has a plan. Okay? Would you turn to someone near you and tell them God has a plan? I'll tell you, you're all alone over here. God has a plan. Can you tell me that too? Thanks, I needed to hear that. I appreciate that. God has a plan. He has a plan for Elizabeth, and God has a plan for you, friends. Whether you're here this morning, sitting in this sanctuary, or whether you're at home watching on the live stream, He has a plan for you. Even when you think that God has somehow forgotten you, you need to remember that there's a plan somewhere in there. You know, sometimes when we're driving, Joy thinks that I've forgotten the way to get to where I'm going, Gary. Yeah. And I have to remind her that there's a plan. I love taking the scenic route, yes. And if she'll just be patient, She'll see that plan manifest. Sometimes it entails the, the help of a friend named Google, but for the most part. God does have a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you have that one memorized? Underline in your Bible. For I know, say it with me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Yeah, God has plans for each one of our lives. Sometimes we just have to wait. So let me ask you this question. How well do you wait? Yeah, not well, not well. There was a time when if you wanted to know some information, you had to go to a building and thumb through a bunch of cards organized by a man named Dewey. 
And then you had to go find a book, okay? A, a book for you young people is like a paper blog, okay? <laughs> and that book may or not be there on the shelf, right? When you get there, hey, it might be gone. Now, now we just Google something, and, and if it doesn't spit out the answer in four seconds, we're frustrated. We're upset about that. But that used to be the way that it, that it worked. We don't wait well. Elizabeth and Zechariah were waiting their whole lives for this one event. They wanted to have a child. Uh, look back, back to uh, chapter 1 and look at verse 13. But the angel said to him, this is Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Then it goes on to say, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Because, because he does not believe God, and this message from the angel, Zechariah will now go nine months without speaking. Yeah. His voice is gone. But God's words can and should be believed to come true in their time. God fulfills his promises. From the beginning, God has been authoring a story that leads to salvation and deliverance and rescue for all people who call upon his name. This is what Christmas is all about. It's the advent or the arrival of God. He's following through on his promise on an oath that he made to bring a deliverer, a Messiah. He's bringing a people who are in darkness into a new day of wonderful light. Elizabeth and Zechariah were about to give birth to a baby who would grow up to be a prophet named John the Baptist. John would be the fulfillment of, this, of joy for this couple, of gladness for this couple, but also the fulfillment of the prophecies of all the Jewish people that they've been waiting for for centuries, the birth of a prophet resembling Elijah the prophet. Some of the scriptures are a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. That's, that's Isaiah 43 and verse 3. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way for me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord God Almighty. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. And in Malachi 4, 5, it says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great day, great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. God was answering prophecy and prayer. This is not only Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer that gets answered here. This, this is also the prayer of the people that... that of God's people that they've been praying for ages, which is the last thing. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. It was a God moment, she said. A lot of us have had one of those, right? One of those, one of those feels like I'm in the right place at the right time, and God has worked this all out moments. Have you ever had one of those? I bet you have. Those moments are eternal. I know, Joy and I have experienced a number of those in our life in ministry. And you know what? 
God is not just a God of moments, but God is a God of always. It's important for us to remember that. God is eternal. God is making life in the barren places all the time. Those barren places in your soul, maybe. God is making life in them. Sending water from the rock, Jesus. And we can choose to grab an umbrella or throw our arms out and be drenched in that. Which will you choose? Just thinking about that brings back a picture for me of when we were in Israel. And our, our guide, George, took us down a wadi, which is like a dry riverbed. It only fills up, Aaron, when, when it rains, and then you better not be in that wadi or you get washed away. Those of you who've been to Arizona or lived there for a while, you know, don't get in those places when it's raining in the mountains. My brother used to tell me that all the time. If your golf ball goes into the wadi, leave it there. And I remember we had walked down this wadi. It was a long, long walk, and, and the closer we got to the end of the wadi, we, we could hear water rushing. But it was dry all around us, and even the plants were, were pretty dry. But closer and closer, louder and louder, and then, then we got to the end of it. Remember, there's a huge waterfall. And George said, imagine if this was the blessing of God to give us water. What would you do? Would you just sit and look at it, or would you jump in? And he began to take off his boots. And he went and jumped into the pool underneath this waterfall. It was amazing. And I, I remember everybody then off with the boots and into the water. And I got this incredible picture of Joy standing under the water, sparkling in the sun. And, and she's just got her hands up. And, and that's what I think of when I think of this, this passage of, of God bringing life to those, those barren places. I think of that waterfall and just standing under that and just being refreshed in the midst of the wilderness. Which will you choose? God sent his son, and nothing has been the same since then. And God is making life in the barren places of our world, but also in the barren places of my life, in the barren places of your life, in the barren places even of this church in this time.